G'day, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, the only national program focusing on union news, workers' stories and social justice issues. This program is produced in Melbourne for Free PR on the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation and we pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Stick Together is broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network with the support of the Community Radio Foundation. Leading the program today is the news from the Switzer dispute. The threat by Switzer, the Danish multinational, with a near monopoly on towage in Australian ports, to lock out workers came to a head on Friday, 18th of November, with the Fair Work Commission pulling rank over the threat to the entire Australian economy of such an action. Switzer has dragged its feet for four years over an agreement with the three unions representing the workers on the tugboats that maintain our ports, the MUA, the Australian Institute of Maritime and Power Engineers, MPI, and the Australian Maritime Officers Union, AMU, in a move which is hard to see as anything but big business bullying and consumer gouging since Switzer and its parent company, Mertz, has been the big winner out of COVID with billions of dollars profit. We hear from Dave Ball, Assistant Secretary of the MUA, Victorian branch, about what happened on Friday. We then hear from Paul Keating, the Secretary of the Sydney branch of the same union, about Union New South Wales support for the Gomorroy people of central New South Wales in their fight against Santos, who wants to drill 850-plus coal seam gas wells into the Artesian Basin against the wishes of the First Nation people of the Pilliga Forest. But first, some union news. Chub workers in Tasmania, represented by the CEPU, the Communications Electrical Plumbing Union, were locked out by the company over negotiations about wage increases. The union maintains that the multinational billion-dollar company refuses to look at the 4.2% wage increase called for by the workers, despite other companies accepting the increase and the skyrocketing 8.6% cost of living increases being recorded in Hobart. The union has been running an effective social media campaign and hit back when the company finally announced the lockout at an end. This was the union's response. G'day everyone, thought I'd just give you a bit of an update on where we're at with the Chubb dispute here down in Tassie, currently outside their Launceston office. Our members have been locked out now for two weeks as of yesterday. Last night at one to five, we received a letter that rescinded Chubb's lockout that they initially said wasn't a lockout. Pretty interesting. Um, but to, just to give you a bit of an update, Chubb tried to bully our members into um, conceding some of their claims. They locked them out for two weeks. Our members haven't backed down. They've now rescinded that lockout notice and our members will not be going back to work now. They will, be, they will go on strike to bring this dispute to a head. These heavy-handed tactics um, are pretty typical of Chubb, if I'm going to be honest. Um, but it's something that members have, and workers have come to expect from, you know, multinational corporate thugs like Chubb. Um, so it's not like it's a surprise, but it is, um, it is disappointing that every time 
members and or workers ask for a fair and reasonable offer, they're met with these heavy-handed tactics. Make sure you like and share this post. Our members really appreciate the support they're getting on social media. A lot of likes, a lot of shares on our videos. Um, that's great. One day longer, one day stronger. Keep up the struggle wherever you are, and thanks for watching. 20 workers covered by the CFMEU have taken lawful protected industrial action at Crane Services in South Australia after they had suffered significant frustration at bargaining that was not getting closer to resolution, said the union. Despite an erroneous public statement made by the employer that the members had rejected a 16% pay rise and were demanding 25%, a claim that ran through the commercial media like a wildfire, but which the employer was forced to retract, admitting that their offer is actually 9% over three years. The issues revolve around promises made by the employer which have been reneged on. The union put out a letter of support for the protected action, saying... The action this week was made necessary because of the behaviour of the company, which during the last week alone has reneged on an agreement that would have seen the week's actions avoided entirely, made pay offers which were worse than previous offers it had made, removing a year's worth of pay rises, entirely retract offers that it made and attempted to rush to a vote substantially the same agreement that was already rejected by workers at a vote held earlier this year. Divisional Branch Assistant Secretary Marcus Parr said, Workers have a right to have a voice in negotiating the terms and conditions of their employment. Crane services workers have been entirely reasonable in seeking terms in their agreement that would result in base rates of pay largely consistent with the company's latest offer but payable sooner rather than in half a year's time. The inclusion of industry standard allowances which workers have been prepared to limit to major commercial projects. Proper protection for the RDO, what they accrue through work performed reasonable consultation terms relating to workplace change and the right to have disputes which arise resolved by an independent umpire, Mr Parr said. You're listening to Stick Together, Worker Stories and Union News, broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network. On Friday, November the 18th, Sitsa, the company with a near monopoly in Australian towage industry, pushed to lock workers out of 17 ports in its efforts to mandate their agenda of insecure work on deckhands, engineers and officers who run the tugboats that service the tankers that operate around this island nation. This was a step too far for even the Fair Work Commission. I spoke to Dave Ball, Assistant Secretary of the MUA, the Maritime Union of Australia, Victorian branch, about what happened on Friday. Let's get our listeners a background to this. We're talking about towage. We're talking about a, a Danish company, multinational, made huge amounts of money, and it's been called profiteering through COVID. Uh, and it's uh, basically become almost a, a got a stranglehold on towage in 
uh, Australian ports, doesn't it? You would have to say it does. It uh, operates in 17 ports around Australia. Most of those ports, there's no competition in the port. And, um, yeah, so that's pretty much a monopoly. And certainly the four major ports in Australia and all the container terminals, Spitzer control all of them through their top, uh, towage licensing arrangement. So, yeah, they really do have the, the country to ransom. I think we saw that, you know, we have been seeing that over the last couple of days or weeks or even years, <laughs> depending on where you've come into the story. But um, you know, just to how powerful and how critical they are and, uh, you know, the only logical you know, outcome I can see from what people have seen this situation to, to arise and with Fair Work Australia issue, issuing the 424, Section 424 on Switzer yesterday, um, forcing them to cease all their industrial action as a matter of, uh, you know, causing the economy grave harm and uh, grave harm to the Australian people. And, you know, I, I just think it's, it's a big push and we should be pushing for nationalisation of such an essential service. Um, I don't know how many industries you could identify could actually cripple a country so quickly and that's why Fair, Act, Fair Work Australia acted so quickly yesterday. So does that mean that uh, Switzer has to stop the lockout or that they're going to stop the lockout? Yeah, that's right. They've, um, the lockout was meant to start at 12 o'clock yesterday and yeah, it was a strategy by Switzer. They gave us five days' notice that they were going to lock out all their workers in those 17 ports. Under the Act, they only have to give you five minutes' notice. So it was a strategy. They wanted everyone to respond to the potential harm and damage that it was going to do to uh, lock out all those workers. And Switzer were, uh, I think their ultimate aim was to have Fair Work Australia terminate the uh, protected action in the by both parties and force force an arbitrated outcome with the agreement, which I don't think really would have gone... Well, I'm sure it wouldn't have gone in favour of the workers. So, fortunately, we avoided that. Fair Work Australia um, only suspended the action, suspended the action for six months. At the moment, we're waiting for further details around the order and what that will mean, but... I imagine it will be uh, both both parties. Well, there's actually four parties because there's the AMOU, the Officers' Union, AINTI, the Engineers' Union, and our union, the MUA, and, of course, SWIFTA, um, in a room together with a conciliator, um, probably someone from Fair Work Australia, and hopefully over the next six months we can come to a negotiated agreement that, that uh, you know, the Merck Shipping, who own SWIFTA, their, their core values clearly state that workers should have a right to collectively bargain and negotiate a workplace agreement. Well, this is fascinating, isn't it? Because for four years, they've basically engineered a wages freeze. Well, that's right. That There's been no pay rises for four years and money has never really been an issue in this discussion. Uh, you know, at different times, the unions have put offers together that included zero pay rises just to get an agreement, just to secure a job, just to get their job job security. So they've had a pay freeze for four years during a period where they've um, made their biggest profits in the history, in the history of Danish uh, corporations, and that was during COVID, while everyone was, uh, you know, get, getting having all sorts of restrictions and lockouts, and here's these shipping com- companies just gouging profit out of the economy, and they just went ahead in leaps and bounds. So... Yeah, it, it just uh, it astounds me how this has played out. 
Yeah, there's a couple of other issues, though. Uh, I mean, people talk about uh, wages, but actually we're talking about trying to turn towage into a gig economy. That's right. They, uh, there is a competitor to FITSA in Australia I, um, that does employ some of their employees. Well, employ, they, they, they form cooperatives um, where the employee loses all their, all their rights to all the benefits that unions have fought for over the years, you know, personal leave, holiday pay, sick pay, long service leave, and they become a part owner in the business and therefore they're exposed to all the liabilities that could happen. And it's, it's just as soon as the profit goes down, their, their conditions and wages go down. So it's very much like the gig economy. But it's also the one of the things that the uh, officers were talking about and, uh, and the engineers, that what they were saying is that they that uh, Switzer wanted to be able to ring them up at the drop of a hat to get them in to come and do... Uh, uh, shifts uh, and it was undermining the whole process of uh, the ebb and flow of the work because it's very dangerous work. It is very dangerous work and of course it's shift work, runs 24 hours a day. These workers do 182 12-hour shifts in a year and that uh, that equates to you know about two or 300 hours more than a worker who's doing a 35-hour week. So they're doing long hours. And, um, yeah, to put them on call during that period and not pay them in between, yeah, would be obscene. And there's, you know, also emergency requirements where, you know, the Port of Melbourne requires two tugs to always be available for any emergency. And we see that all the time in shipping where ships get blown off the wharf, lines break. Um, and, of course, recently where we had those couple of vessels in New South Wales where engines failed and they got into serious trouble and it was the towage industry that um, saved those ships and saved the environment and the people around them. So uh, this has been a very uh, a confrontational uh, situation and, in fact, Pat, Patty Crumlin, the uh, uh, head of uh, the union, has talked about uh, uh, employer uh, militancy. Uh, it, it's a... It, this is a very unusual approach to uh, industrial relations, isn't it? Yeah, I think, you know, for a lot of people, probably seeing the first time where the employer is um, being the more aggressive party in an agreement. Maybe not the first... Oh, that's probably not right. Not the first time. No, Patrick's it, was did this. Yeah, yeah. But um, I don't really like us describing the company as militant. That's our word. We're militant. They're not militant. They're just scoundrels and mongrels. That's so, yeah, but um, they certainly have been acting aggressively, holding the country to ransom. And, um, you know, as I said earlier, uh, I think it lead, has to lead to a discussion around nationalisation of the towage industry. Stick together. 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 You're listening to Stick Together on Community Radio. Earlier this month, the Union's New South Wales affiliates voted to commit support for the Gumaroi people and their land rights against Santos and what has been called the climate-wrecking Pilagar Narrabri coal seam mining operation on Gomoroi lands in the Pilagar forest. 
Santos is applying to the Native Title Tribunal to bypass the objections of the Gumaroi to be allowed to go ahead with 850 drills into the Artesian Basin as it explores for coal seam gas reserves. The unions, which include Union New South Wales, the Maritime Union of Australia, New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association, New South Wales Teachers Federation, Australian Manufacturing Workers Union, Independent Education Union, National Tertiary Education Union, United Workers Union, the CFMEU and the Electrical Trades Union all have agreed that their support isn't just moral. They are quoted as saying, we will continue to mobilise to overturn and reject this environmentally destructive project. I spoke to Paul Keating, Secretary of the Sydney branch of the MUA, about the resolution and delegation that went to visit the Gumaroi on land. My own personal um, situation where uh, the MUA Sydney branch got involved uh, dates back about three years ago at a rally in Sydney. There was an Invasion Day rally and there was a young student, a Gumaroi woman, who uh, spoke and it had a, an enormous impact on the crowd. And she spoke about the struggles of her people, the Gumaroi people, fighting Santos over uh, many, many years at that time. Uh, they'd rejected the Santos project on the grounds that they uh, defined their own sovereignty and their, their land rights and that they would fight for it. And they prosecuted then and continue to. Uh, the country, the Pilliga Forest, has been in the pristine way for many thousands of generations and they are the custodians of that country on the basis of um, the plan by the Santos uh, Gas Company, which I should point out, they want to start with 850 gas wells in this region. The Gummeroy people very clearly outlined that this is a, a very sensitive country. It sits on the Great Artesian Basin. It cannot be put at risk by a gas company for short-term gains that could have finite consequences to all... Uh, living creatures on that land in the future if things go wrong. Well, the, the environmental argument doesn't stack up exactly. Uh, we have a, a climate crisis never before in the history uh, of the planet and we need to take direct, direct action for that change. These, uh, the economic case for the gas is not there either. There's enough gas in the system. And we know that it has been poor federal and state government policies that have completely failed to address, obviously, climate action, but also dealing with the nature of the impact on um, our communities across the country with the um, crisis in capital and the uh, cost of living uh, crisis that continues to, uh, well, only affect the working class. Uh, and the poor most, uh, and the vulnerable most, um, uh, mostly, is the is the threat that we need to fight um, and you know build a people's movement for the changes that we need. The labour movement in New South Wales, um, you know, unions New South Wales, um, on the 17th of March, had this discussion about solidarity with the Gummeroy people. And there was a resolution put up by the MUA, uh, by the Sydney branch, 
after discussions with the Gamaroy people, with a number of unions and um, community groups, um, whereby they explained what where the situation was and their struggle. Their 11 years of fighting Santos had led it to um, a position where uh, the parties had met finally um, and in that finality, the Gumroy people had made a decision when they convened um, to reject the Santos project. And in those discussions, they explained to us, we rejected. They gave their, uh, their reasons. They put out a statement. All that was out there. Um, and we decided that we would um, uh, work with them in regards to a resolution of solidarity. Um, and that resolution was then uh, passed a couple of weeks ago at Unions New South Wales at a convening of our uh, council. Um, and from there, uh, there was an invite to Coonabarabran, um, and we had a large convoy, about 50 um, trade unionists, leaders and activists, headed up there. And it was through that weekend, um, you know, we sat down, we went through the Pelagia Forest and country with these wonderful uh, people who mm. explained their plight. It's a lovely it's, place. Oh, it's it's beautiful. It, uh, it, you can't help but feel, um, you know, better for it when you go up there. It's pristine. It's just a gorgeous um, uh, area. And the idea that a company of this nature is prepared because it, it's it's not about it's not about anything other than profits and um, uh, for a company that completely um, has rejected uh, the. Um, you know, the decision made by the Gamaroy people. And that's why that they've taken it to the Native Title Tribunal, which in itself we have seen now for many decades has proven to be just a window-dressing exercise that allows the mining and gas companies um, to get their way. And that's what's happening here. The decision now could be handed down any time by the tribunal, which is stacked uh, by uh, appointees that... Uh, climate deniers have connections, uh, personal connections with uh, uh, with those that are employed by Santos, and these are the people that are going to make the decision in this native title tribunal. The Gumroy people said to us, it, it, "It's a situation that's urgent," um, and with that, the uh, trade union movement in New South Wales, and I'll put it out to all your listeners, um, uh, this will be one on the basis of the grassroots uh, campaign movement uh, by our community. Um, when the call is, is asked for us to go back up there, we'll be there. We'll be there um, um, uh, right across our whole labour movement and our communities to defend the interests of um, the Gamaroy people and their right to sovereignty. They're determining their own sovereignty. I think this is, and land rights, I think this is a um, a struggle uh, that we will be defined of our time, uh, given that there's a growing movement 
across the broader communities that we come from in understanding the um, the brutality that's been waged since colonialism on uh, our First Nations peoples. And there's this movement of young people that are mobilised in struggle. They find themselves in this world where um, the deal for housing security and job security, it's not there. And then the existential um, crisis of the um, of, of our time with the climate um, crisis and the action that's needed. Well, you, well, you do you do actually say it's not just a moral support; it, it, it's about um, mobilisation and uh, including blockades. Um, That's correct. And direct we action. Blockade. We will blockade. I, I make no bones about that. Uh, I speak very openly with our members and also within our mighty trade union movement and at all community events. Um, I speak about this, and so do many now, uh, in relation to our commitment to this struggle and this fight. We will fight alongside the Gummeroy people, and that means action. That means people on the ground, and that means blockades. Uh, we know all too well that the um, the changes that have happened in this uh, state, that happened around the country, around the right to protest, effectively uh, the Perrottet government, the... Uh, state Liberal government has put in, put a law in place now that criminalises the right to protest. Uh, for things like this, uh, for the people to mobilise against governments, bad governments, bad laws, um, uh, to defend our interests, whether it's against war, uh, whether it's, it's for, um, you know, Indigenous justice, First Nations justice, uh, and we we do live in an era where uh, there's a growing consciousness to right the wrongs for First Nations peoples. We urgently need to be strengthening First Nations rights and investing heavily in a just transition away from fossil fuel with large-scale employment in renewable energy and sustainable development. I mean, it's about survival. Exactly. And no community left behind. Uh, and at the, at the front of that, uh, we have a strong view in our union, and I know across the working class uh, that are building a, a more just uh, and a, a stronger political view in our in the interest of our class. And that is, there won't be any justice for the working class unless justice is first served for our First Nations peoples. That's it for Stick Together this week. If you want to catch up with the program, the podcast is available at 3cr.org.au or at your favourite podcast site. And you can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there is a union for you. And until next time, stick together and keep safe. Six years I've in the desert and every night I dream of the sea To say home is where you find Will this place ever satisfy me For I come from the song for a people We always live by the sea now I'm out here west of Ellis Creek 
a family And my island home My island home My island home Is waiting for me Across the plain I close my eyes And I'm standing In a boat On the sea again And I'm holding that long Terror sphere And I feel I'm close now To where it must be My island home is waiting for me And my island home My island home My island home Is waiting for me And evening the dry wind blows From the hills And across the plain I blow 